Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. It's time to turn off the lights and turn on the dark. Chilling Tales for Dark Nights. Good evening, listener. You're listening to Chilling Tales for Dark Nights. On tonight's edition, we invite you to leave behind your safe reality and descend with us into the frightening depths of the most terrifying imaginations with an audio adaptation of frightening fiction about sentient substances. I'm your host, Steve Taylor, and tonight I'll be your guide as we traverse the dimly lit corridors of your darkest dreams. Joining us tonight to help bring to life the frightening fiction of M. Ennenbach, our voice talents Drew Blood, Jeff Sturdivant, and Olivia Steele. Now, get your ticket ready. Take your seat in our Theater of the Minds. And brace yourself. It's time to turn off the lights and turn on the dark. Our tale this evening is written by M. Ennenbach and is performed by Drew Blood, Jeff Sturdivant, and Olivia Steele. We've got a special one for you tonight, folks. One that's a little different from our normal nefarious notions. You'll laugh, you'll cry, hell, you might even gag. But rest assured, you will be horrified. Now, without further ado, I present to you... Blobbert. It didn't seem to start off as an end-of-the-world scenario... Though I reckon I wouldn't truly have known what an end-of-the-world scenario looked like necessarily. I suspect balls of gelatin raining down from the sky would not have given me the first inkling of a clue. Unfortunately, though, as I sit here, huddled alone in this movie theater in the darkness, the stale smell of body odor and popcorn, 
sticky spots on the floor that I try and convince myself is spilled soda pop, and the sound of my heart loud in my throat. I realize I should have possibly thought balls of gelatin were a possibly potential beginning of the end. I was off my meds and on some good substitutes, if that counts. What the fuck do I know? I'm not even in the movie theater. Not really. But would you believe me if I said I was in a living vat of extraterrestrial jizz or safely in my own bed? I had just dropped three hits of window pane that I found wrapped in foil and buried under a layer of freezer permafrost, wedged between a quarter bottle of vodka and three Brussels sprouts that had escaped the confinement of the bag only to suffer a frozen fade among the relics of the past. These hits were supposedly part of the same batch that Hendrix had in his headband as he lit the guitar on fire and established his supremacy years before a cocky kid from Oak Cliff took that same crown as the greatest living guitarist. I told myself I saved them for a special event, yet special events seemed to keep happening while they were covered in gross ice. Now this was a type of super acid. All the good ones had a name, so you felt like you were doing something epic. I didn't expect that the end of the world would be the reason for the trip, but that is exactly where I found myself the night of the storm. I didn't even realize the storm was really real, you know. Like, it was storming, but the details got fuzzy in translation from my eyes to my brain. The lightning was lavender across the soft black of the sky. I had visions of a fungus from a strange documentary I previously watched, Ask a Makoda. A long cluster of cells that share every sensation in a long strand of molten purple in the fur of a regal panther. The moon peeked out and the oddness of the storm lent a sickly emerald to the pockmarked face and unflinching orb of the great beast curled around the blue marble. Did the purple hurt the giant cat? Would it bear its claws and strike me down? I didn't care. I'd been chasing the same high for the last 20 years and all it seemed to do was make everything else fuzzy. I had hair on my brain as thick as the fur on the Sky Panther. But this felt close. Or at least close enough for now. I heard stories about a technique where they drill a hole in your head just right that it induces a permanent trip. I'd like that. Or would have. Now I'm not sure. Reality got all sort of flip-flopped and everything feels all fuckered up. There were hints that things were not normal. Even through the new veneer of old drugs, things were off. The rain, for one thing, was hot, and as it began to beat down on the dry ground of the backyard, the temperature seemed to rise. I was sweating on the porch as the old Bowie album wavered on the turntable, and I had the strangest idea that it was raining blood. It was not red, no, more a light blue like aquarium gravel, and hot when I reached my hand out from under the porch. The drops felt sticky on my hand, stretching as I pulled my fingers apart. Then it began to hail. I jerked back as the precipitation thudded off the roof of the mobile home that hadn't been mobile for the last 50 years more or less, rendering it more inert than anything, I guess. There was an odd note to the hell hitting the metal roof. Not the typical clang of balls of ice, but softer sounding. A tennis ball with a din in it, maybe. I watched in amazement as the knot hell hit the ground in front of me. There was no super ball rebound, but a noticeable bounce that spoke to it, 
seeming floppier than your typical lice. Is that a word? Floppier? Does it make sense? Hell is frozen. These were almost like cubes of meat, but not. Balls. Balls of gelatin. Not gelatin. I don't know what the fuck it is. Scientists will figure it out one day. Or they won't, and the thing will take over the entire planet. It could. This feels disjointed. I need a joint. Or some orange juice. Maybe just a cigarette. Bear with me, I'm tripping balls and there's a fucking alien something consuming the town. It's raining, I'm on the porch, Bowie is playing, the window pane is coming on strong as I sip lemon and honey. My fingers are stained yellow from chain-smoking cigarettes and joints. The storm rolls in. Balls of fucking gelatin fall like hell off the roof of my not as mobile as it once was home. I watch them splat and rebound into the air. The rain is like blue splooge. I don't know how much of this is real. Right. I had to touch one of the balls. I don't know why, but I felt the need take root in my brain and my body acted. I was on the porch steps before I knew I had started moving. The balls quivered once they finally grew nearly stationary and there was a magic in that pulsing of light purple swirling that called gently. It was as if I could hear them begging me to pick them up. Have you ever heard screaming and not realize it is screaming inside your brain? I did. Stopped me dead in my tracks at the edge of the steps. Locked my legs solid as steel as the need to touch the quivering balls of blue space come littering the unkempt, mostly dirt yard behind my seriously immobile home. The storm stopped. I couldn't tell you if it was moments or hours ago, but the rhythmic slapping ended leaving the purple flashes in the sky and baleful green glare of the moon and thousands of globs made out of the most enticing substance in the universe. I glared at my cloven hooves grown stationary on the warped boards of the haphazardly constructed temporary steps that became quite permanent in their transience. A black cat came nervously into the yard, spine arched and tail fully fluffed, drawn towards one of the beautiful siren balls. I felt like I had been on the verge of orgasm for hours and my partner decided to take a nap as I watched the cat raise a paw. My breath caught in my throat and my entire body tingled. The first swipe rebounded off the surface and both the cat and I looked oddly disappointed. The second time the paw hit the balls, the ball didn't let go. The cat shook its paw curiously at first, but the squishy hailstone didn't budge. Curiosity turned to concern and then panic, which turned out to be a poor response in a yard of gelatinous little blobs that soon attached themselves to the cat's body. I watched as they pulsated faster, flashes of lavender through translucent blue, They stretched to one another and oozed together until all that remained was a shivering mass enveloping the now motionless cat standing upright. I leaned forward, hips still locked in place by the lizard part of my brain. The cat stared in fright as it slowly melted inside the cocoon of space splooge. The lavender flashed as fur and then skin melted away, layer by layer, exposing the muscle, then bone. Veins and organs appeared and then vanished as the cat seemed to almost fold in upon itself until all that remained was a large, larger than it had been moments before, blob jiggling on the dirt. 
The call to touch it was broken as the horror of the cat vanishing was replaced by the singular knowledge I was tripping harder than I had since I got dosed at a talking head show. My body relaxed, muscles burning from lactic acid, and I sat back down to watch the light show. It looked like the cosmos and lavender as it ran through the now four-foot tumor. The small bits seemed to shake more and mercurially slink toward the greater good. I got up and turned over the album and grabbed a bottle of orange juice and my trusty bong and went back to watch the show. The call of the balls of goop must have grown as they sought to join together because squirrels and raccoons scurried into the yard and stood in a ring around the mass. I took a long hit and let out a rattling cough that should have at least startled the animals, but they didn't even flinch. Every time I blinked, the lavender spots seemed to stay within my eyelids, and between that and Bowie singing in the throes of milk and cocaine and peppers, I found myself on a new level of reality. The first squirrel touched the blob, causing me to jerk back at the sudden speed it seemed in which the squirrel went from there to inside to melted. One by one, the woodland critters were engulfed and consumed. The lone balls of gelatin began shaking fiercely, then seemed to pull into the central mass which had become easily seven or eight feet in size at this point. The lilac flares grew bright enough that I saw lights in the neighboring trailer switch on and faces peek out at the commotion. I hit the bong again and let out another body convulsing cough. I didn't care for how the blob reacted to my hacking. The purple concentrated on the side of the lump closest to me. The calling got louder again, but the knowledge none of this was really happening kept me seated. But I didn't like the way it was concentrating on me. I also didn't remember window pain being this intense in the early 70s. I didn't know it was the end of the world either. So as I watched raccoons and squirrels melt to nothing inside an ever-expanding blob that was now nearly 15 feet wide with wobbling balls of gelatin slowly oozing their way to join the main mass staring eyelessly at me, it was with a smile of eager anticipation. This was unfortunately where the trip began to go very bad. What the fuck is that thing, Gary? Pat called to me from the fence line. I smiled even wider. You can see it too, Pat. I'll be damned. It just ate up some squirrels and a couple of raccoons. Hell if I know what it is. Pat slowly nodded. He did everything slowly. Folks said it was out of taking time to consider all possibilities before answering. I call bullshit on that. On no fewer than three occasions, that dumb son of a bitch attempted to eat the same wax apple from the dish on the coffee table. Three times that I knew of. But every now and then, I see fresh indentations in the dusty wax, and I know it's him. Come down from the storm? It sounded a mite peculiar on the roof. Didn't expect it to be so big. Nor pretty, he said, staring at the clusters of purple light in the milky goop. Yep, balls of this space jizz came flopping down from the sky. Snot, too. It was weird as shit. I was curious if Pat would melt. I never had anything against him, not even that he's as dumb as a sack of rocks, but it sure was neat watching that cat disappear. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. 
Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish, or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly. Which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today, or visit Angie.com. That's A N G I dot com. I tapped out a cigarette and lit it. My fingers shook a little from the excitement. You hear it calling you, like whispering for you to touch it. It did that to me. Pat didn't answer me. He just stood staring at the blob, which was erupting in all new patterns of purple blossoms. He slowly moved towards the gap in the fence and squeezed through. It wasn't so difficult five years ago when he first moved into the park. But middle age settles on everyone eventually, and as his gut got caught on the corner of the fence, I imagined he would make quite the feast for the ewes. Not that I wanted that to happen. I would never wish anything bad to happen to Pat or anyone. Maybe that bastard Miller at the end of the park, throwing cookouts and overcooking the meat, serving dry steaks and hamburgers while telling the lamest job jokes. Would Miller taste worse than Pat? Probably less flavor, though I doubt anything that eats cats and squirrels and raccoons would be picky. I watched Pat walk towards the blob and felt a new sensation, almost sexual in nature, wavering off the goo. It was excited at the idea of eating Pat, and the dumb bastard had an expression that said he was just as excited. Hey, Pat, why don't you come over here and have a toot off the old bong, and we can watch the blob together? He nodded dreamily, but didn't veer from his heading. Pat, damn it, man! Listen to me. Don't approach it. His prodigious belly hit the blob first, and they seemed to shake together, symbiotically sending waves to wiggle through different types of gelatin. Pat smiled placidly as the purple light swarmed to where his belly pressed against the gelatinous mass. He seemed to look through the blob at me directly. Through the distortion of sentient ejaculate, and I watched as his expression changed from bliss to sudden painful awareness. Have you ever been to one of them baby doctors, the ones that help the ladies give birth, not necessarily actually the baby doctor? Before the divorce, there were a series of miscarriages. Wasn't either of our faults. Some people just don't have families. It was for the best. Not then. Fuck no, but time proved that some things don't withstand the passing. Prenatal—that's the doctor. Prenatal. Anyways, they have this anatomical figure with a clear belly, and you can see the baby in different stages of development. Looking through the wobbly ooze, Pat looked much the same, except instead of seeing the baby, I saw his guts pressed against the goo as his eyes went from sleepy to horrified. He pushed away from the blob. His hands melted down to exposed bone and rubbery tendon snapping back. The seal broken between him and the blob had his guts just suddenly spilling out onto the wet dirt. 
not even spilled, tumbled like pasta out of a colander, while his screams, hoarse, wet, and thick, got lost in Bowie. The blob slid slowly forward, engulfing his lower legs and the various fluids pulling in the mud around them. Fuck was all I could manage, with the modest hope the creature could manage to absorb or whatever the rest of Pat. I didn't relish the thought of whatever I was seeing as my neighbor in 16 or so hours after the drugs wore off. Well, it did think whatever God jizzed through the cosmos to land on my trailer slowly consume all of Pat in wet, squelching jiggles. It was like a Zamboni slowly clearing the surface of the ice. But then the lavender concentrated on the side closest to me. I was quite sure I was lying on my thin mattress under the black lights, falling deeper and deeper into my own rabid subconscious. It was the only explanation for a shimmering 20-foot blob that just ate my neighbor. I decided to take a stroll through the park and started laughing insanely as I realized I wanted to take my new pet for a walk to mark its new territory. As I stepped down the rickety boards, the temporary permanent steps to my immobile home, the blob did something strange and new. It bristled slightly, and then spikes erupted from the edges of the creature. Five-foot goose spikes that quivered along with the purple pulses. They seemed to sniff at the air, and like the lavender firing inside of it, were too interested in me. Hey, I'm not fucking food. You understand me? I said sternly to the blob, shaking my finger at it. The spikes undulated slightly, and they seemed to suddenly find the trees interesting. Good. You're not ruining my trip by being a greedy asshole. I'm gonna call you Blobber. Can you understand me, Blobber? I asked it. I have no fucking clue if it did or not. It just sort of roiled in place, space jizz shaped like an angry hedgehog. The way the blue caught the little arcs of lilac reminded me of this girl I used to date back in New York. She had hair that looked a lot like those spikes, and a tattoo of faded cherries right above her own faded cherry. <laughs> I'd pretend I was Pac-Man chasing that cherry as my tongue darted in and out of her tracing shapes around and across her clit. She had dyed her pubes the same bluish purple. No clue what her name was now. I just think of her as Ms. Pac-Man in those feverish times at night when I can't sleep and pull at my cock angrily hoping to release enough happy chemicals to sleep for a few hours. Come on, Blobber. Let's meet the neighbors. I called out to it and began to walk around the trailer towards the cracked pavement that wound through the clusters of rusted trailers in 70 shades of avocado and browns. I heard Blobbert sort of slithering across the ground towards me. I lit the joint I had nearly forgotten about in my pants pocket and smiled up to that gleaming panther that made up the evening sky. Hey, son, you check out the storm earlier? The squeaky voice of Jimmy shouted. I looked over and saw him sitting in his front yard, bare feet in a kiddie pool that was shaped like a turtle. I didn't need light to know the ground around him was littered with empty tall boys. Hey, Jimmy, I did from the deck. That was pretty crazy. Jimmy smiled and the streetlight caught his eyes and they seemed to shine like a cat in the dark. Sounded like the worst of it hit your place. Was it hell? Balls of gelatin, I think. Some kind of celestial spunk that sprayed down from heaven. Maybe. Fucked if I know. 
I heard Blobbert steadily drawing closer and made my way towards Jimmy. I'm tripping my balls off, so I'm not really sure about anything, know what I mean? Jimmy nodded. Been there, sir. Too many times to count. You got any more acid? Well, it was my time to smile. As a matter of fact, I might have something even better. Jimmy's eyes grew wide for a second, and then his face went slack. What is that thing, Ursa? He asked softly. I looked over my shoulder and saw Blobbert oozing down the road. Well, that's Blobbert. I think he's sentient semen. He ate Pat and some critters a little bit ago. Cool. I I'm going to touch it. I need to touch it. I shrugged my shoulders and looked through the cans for an unopened one. I'm going to steal a beer while you do that. Cool. I sat down in one of the plastic-banded lawn chairs that was mostly just an iron bar across my ass in the faded shades of yesterday's summer. There was a layer of slime shimmering on top of the turtle's wet spot. Blobbert might eat you, Jimmy. Just a heads up. That sounds pretty all right to me. It sure is pretty. Jimmy just sort of slipwalked down the road to where Blobbert slowly slid. Blobbert seemed slightly larger, but maybe that was the spikes. It was that lady with the cherry tattoo that dosed me before the talking head show. I don't know why I'm more fixated on remembering her name than on Jimmy, who was meandering to an ignoble fate. My brain must be chewing on something big. Hey, Jimmy, you remember Yvonne? Jimmy slowed a little. The cute little redhead, yeah, I remember her. Yep, that's her. I had an awfully big crush on her. I ever tell you that? Jimmy stumbled a little but kept moving. I don't think you ever did. That bitch was crazy. You dodged a bullet there. I nodded and took a long pull off the beer. I remembered seeing her one morning as I left for work. She was leaving Jimmy's trailer and had the makings of a nasty shiner already forming. It never quite settled right, that black eye, but in my hurt, I blew it off as them both getting what they deserved. But they didn't. She got hit, and he got away with it. Until now. Fuck you, Jimmy, I said as I lit a cigarette. Blobbert didn't want to wait this time. It lashed out quickly with four spikes that lanced through Jimmy's forearms and thighs. Jimmy screamed in pain as it lifted him into the air. A splattering of liquid hitting the ground made me flinch until I realized it was from Jimmy pissing himself, not something disgusting. That was when Blobbert began to pulsate faster and faster. I leaned forward, the iron rod painfully jamming my tailbone to get a better look at the lights. They seemed agitated. Don't play with your food, Blobbert, I said as Jimmy gasped loudly, readying more screams. The four spikes snapped in different directions, and so did large pieces of that sack of shit Jimmy. I don't even know exactly what everything was that fell along with the oblong-shaped chunk of torso and head that used to be my abusive neighbor. I threw up bile and orange juice into the jizz-riddled water in the turtle's concave shell. Blobber just oozed forward, the slowest and most inefficient street sweeper ever, to dissolve the remnants of Jimmy. That's when I noticed all the lights that had come to life in the park. This was about to get exciting. I began rooting around for another beer in the grass. My father saw things. 
not intergalactic jizz monsters that ate assholes and morons. At least, I don't think he did. He never talked about it, but when he had enough to drink, usually six or seven nights a week only, he would begin yelling at them. He would have been disappointed at how close the apple stayed to the rotten trunk, but I had blobbered, so fuck him and anyone else. Somewhere off in the distance, I heard sirens. I wondered which of these criminals called the cops. I saw Eleanor peek her head around the curtains. Not her. She made meth in her shed out back. The smell would damn near choke the life out of you some days. I looked around the trailer sitting at off angles and began to think of that rider guy and his non-Euclidean geometries. All I could think was how fucked up my subconscious must really be. And still the sirens grew closer. Sounds like you're about to get your food by delivery, Blobbert. Eat a cop for me. I called out and drained the second beer. Ursa, what's that thing? Kara called out. I turned towards her trailer. She peered out the screen door, squat and mannish looking with one of her howling broods stuck to her large flat breast. Miss Kara, let me introduce you to Blobbert, the sentient nutsock of the gods. Blobbert, this is Kara, day shift stripper at the Bone Zone. Day shift manager at the Bone Zone. Kara corrected. Tired of getting your titties slapped? I asked casually as the red and blue began to shine at the entrance to the park. I am making more money with my shorts on for the first time I can remember. She stated proudly. Would have thought they'd have seen that three kids ago, I muttered. She stared at Blobbert for a minute. I hoped she wouldn't take the bait and wander out. Not with their kid, at least. I had to draw the line, even in a drug-induced hellscape of my own creation. Is his name really Blobbert? That just confused me. Yeah, Blobbert the Blob. Why? I don't know, sounds like a male name. Is it a male? I scrunched up my face and tried not to curse in front of her child suckling at that leathery deflated clown balloon. I failed. God damn it, Kara, how in the fuck would I know if it's a male or not? The entire thing is made of some sort of fucking man-eating gelatin. It doesn't have a fucking dick flopping behind it. Use your fucking head. It's a clever name. It's a blob. Blobbert. Don't you dare raise your voice at me, Ursa, you ill-mannered bastard, using profanity in front of my fucking child. She yelled and then slammed her front door. Blobbert bristled and began to move towards her trailer. I clapped my hands and the purple lights focused on me. We don't eat children or dogs. We're civilized creatures. The lights guiltily swarmed to the back left corner for a second, and I saw a studded collar exit the blob. You did not eat Mr. Winkles. Mr. Winkles was the most badass chihuahua ever. He had been found injured as a pup and nursed back to health. He had a long scar on his little throat from where something had tried to eat him, which left him unable to bark. He just sort of chuffed softly and then attacked your ankles. Now he was gone. Don't feel bad, Blobbert. We hadn't gotten into the rules yet. No more dogs. No kids. The light swarmed for a moment and then focused on the cherries on the cop car speeding through the park. Don't do anything until I get back. Gotta piss. And Jimmy ain't using his commode anymore. I announced and then got up painfully. 
Jimmy's trailer looked like that cartoon whatever the fuck it was, brown and snarling, spinning through walls and whatnot, came here to let off some steam. I wish that coyote had gotten that smug son of a bitch roadrunner, and fuck act me for their overcomplicated machinery. It was half shoddy craftsmanship and half bad luck for that poor bastard. But you gotta ask yourself, with all he had spent on gadgets and paint for the seemingly endless number of tunnels he painted on reddish stone, couldn't he have just ordered a roadrunner already slaughtered and prepared like 10,000 times over? One less order to the quacks at Acme and spent on a professional hitman to quickly and concisely take care of that meeping cocksucker, and the problem is solved. The fuck was I talking about? Jimmy's trailer. I do not understand how that kiddie pool in the shape of a turtle, trailer looking like a roach motel, all-around repugnant soul managed to have a revolving cast of decent ladies debasing themselves. The place was gross. Trash everywhere, overflowing ashtrays, roaches seemed to have built a small fiefdom in the kitchen sink, but the fridge was full of beautiful tall boys, so I forgave him a little. He was quartered, after all. I just pissed right there. I'm not proud of my actions, but I really didn't give a shit. I sort of thought I was pissing myself in bed, which is worse in its own way, so I was able to just let loose a stream onto the empty boxes of condoms on the floor. Magnum condoms. Good for you, Jimmy. I heard the tires screech as the cops must have seen Blobbert and grabbed two tall boys and went out to watch the show. To my surprise, Eleanor was standing next to the cops, twitching and scratching at her arms sticking out of a ragged old bathrobe. Her hair was seaweed flowing in the breeze like a trailer park Venus de Milo with burnt lips trying to act like she was a concerned citizen. Hi, Elle. Evening, officers. What seems to be the problem? I asked nonchalantly as I popped the top of the first beer. Hey, Ursa, your dick's hanging out. Eleanor said distractedly. Sir, could you uh, put your penis away, please? A heavy-set Hispanic officer said, my dreamy air to his voice. I looked down and saw my junk just hanging and was pretty grateful it was all just a hallucination. It is a mite chilly tonight. My apologies, I muttered as I set down my beer and took my boys back inside. Sir, it is 92 degrees outside, the other officer said, clearly a rookie with a high and tight fade and pressed pants. Now, officer, I don't take too kindly to your implications, I began a bit heatedly. It is probably a good dick, likely a grower. Not all of them are showers, and not all showers are good ones. Eleanor said kindly. Blobbert appeared to be confused and agitated at the flashing red and blue lights. It seemed to swell up. The thick mucus roiled in the nearly frothy slick of cerulean alien discharge, and a spike launched forward through the center of the rookie's forehead and shattered the cherries on the police cruiser. Cherry! Her goddamn name was Cherry! L like the tattoo! How in the fuck did that escape me for this long? That crazy asshole poured half a vial of acid into my amaretto sour, and I didn't realize it until David Burns started singing and the waves ran across my sweaty body like a lover's tongue. I bet that's what Blobbert feels like right before you realize you're being consumed. What the fuck? The other cop, feels unnecessary to say Hispanic since he is the sole survivor, shouted. 
He pulled his gun and the world felt an odd precipice of horror and surreal. Eleanor was apparently well equipped for the end of the world and the chaos didn't seem to faze her at all. She straight up pulled out a pipe and torch and took a big hit of her bathtub meth. I found myself gleefully walking towards her as the cop pointed his gun at Blobber while staring at the rookie. The spike, more like a tentacle I guess really, snapped back with a wet gurgle. The rookie stood for a moment and as I passed behind him, I smiled at Blobber and raised a thumb for it to see through the gaping hole where most of his head had been. Something fell with a wet flop from the top of his skull to where his tongue flopped like a bluegill on the shore of his ruined mouth. Blobbert flashed a happy lavender at me, which was nice in a holy fucking hell sort of way. That your pet? Eleanor asked as she handed me the pipe. The blue flame hit and the crystal bubbled on the side of the glass like diarrhea against a truck stop toilet bowl. I watched the smoke coalesce like in a palm reader shop crystal ball and saw my future in the rolling smoke. I was going to be fucked up. The smoke hit like in hell in truck exhaust and I felt all the liquid in my mouth turn into electricity as my pupils snapped with an audible click three sizes smaller, or roughly normal sized in conflict with the acid. No, I think he's my ego, or ID. I don't know. I only took psychology to get laid. <laughs> I said as the smoke tore free from my lungs. Did it work? <sighs> Did what work? I asked confused. Her hair was floating like one of those plasma balls that the voltage follows your fingers. I wanted to touch it, but even in my state of inebriation, I thought better of it. Did you get laid from the class? She was still staring at Blobbert, and I could tell she wanted to go to it. Yeah, a couple of times. Enough that I kept going until they kicked me out. I offered her the unopened beer, but she didn't notice it. I think I want to dive into your ego for a swim. Do you hear it calling? Eleanor asked, her hands constantly scratching. I didn't answer. It didn't matter as she had already taken the first steps towards the blob. The cop seemed halfway between panic and joining her. I just chugged down the beer and felt electricity spark under my skin. What did it matter if none of it were real? Hey, Eleanor? I watched as she walked slowly to her doom. Did you mean it about it being a good dick? She kept moving forward. You are no Jimmy, Ursa. I couldn't argue that, bastard. Instead, I shrugged my shoulders and said, Blobber? She's extra spicy with meth. The purple swirled towards Eleanor curiously, or whatever lights inside of a blob of carnivorous goop tend to do. Ma'am, I wouldn't go near that thing, the cop said, but his heart wasn't really in it. He seemed to have forgotten the body of his partner lying in a pool of various fluids. He still held his weapon trained on Blobber, although I think he may have forgotten that as well. You have to wonder what kind of fucked up trauma makes these kinds of visions. I didn't know I knew enough about human anatomy to make such a realistic image. If it were a vagina, sure. I could likely make a field of happy little vaginas, dripping dew that sparkles under a cartoon sun. I could hear that song about tiptoeing through the tulips played in my head. Man, how long has it been since I've gotten laid? What year is it? 
Blobbert sent out two tentacles, and I was surprised to see them pause tentatively, as if examining Eleanor. She reached out and touched one of them. To my surprise, it didn't melt through her hand. The other tentacle wrapped itself around her stomach, and I flinched, expecting to see her be torn in two. Blobbert surprised me again. It gently lifted her into the air, and she let out a giggle of pure joy as it swooped her about like a toy airplane. The look on her face was ecstatic as Blobbert finally grew bored and pulled her into the center of its mass. The smile never left her face as her skin grew translucent. I watched her nude form stripped bare of flesh, just striated muscle that began to fade away. Her breastbone was exposed and soon her heart beneath. I stared in awe as her heart beat in time with the lavender flashes. Then Eleanor simply ceased to be the last wispy remnants of her becoming one with the blue blob. This is Officer Hernandez, requesting immediate backup at the Shady Holler Mobile Estates. Officer down. Suspect is a... um... Sentient glob of space nut, I added, hoping to help. The officer just stared at me, panic in his eyes. I don't know what it is, but it has killed two... Four people now, and an assortment of critters, and Mr. Winkles... Again, just trying to be helpful. Sir, is this creature yours? Officer Hernandez asked me. I laughed at the silliness of the question. Does anything live and truly belong to someone else? Blobbert and I just met, but I think we are getting to the friend stage. Blobbert? He seemed confused as he asked, which I got. These are confusing times, no doubt about it. First thing that came to mind... It doesn't seem to mind, do you, Blobbert? The sound of sirens grew louder, and I realized most of the park had come out to see the commotion. Cops being called out was nothing new. A blob eating people was. I could just imagine one of the scumbags getting a chance to be on television, explaining to the attractive and thoroughly disgusted reporter, giving pithy anecdotes like, it sounded like a freight train, or some other such bullshit. I just wanted to be entertained. I am going to shoot it. Officer Hernandez said calmly. It has a name, and I don't think a bullet can hurt Blobbert anyway. It literally melts people. He looked at me, and I saw a lone bead of sweat run down his forehead and right into the corner of his eye. He didn't even wipe it away. I think it wants to eat me. I nodded. For sure, that's what it does. He looked ready to cry. I wanted to eat me. I nodded again. That is what seems to happen. Pheromones, maybe. I didn't do well in biology, and I might have skipped the day they talked about alien ejaculates that rained from the sky. That didn't seem to ease his mind at all. I have a wife at home. How will the guys explain this to her? I patted his shoulder and he flinched. Any kids? He shook his head. Well, fuck, Officer Hernandez. And maybe it's the window pane, or joints, or the beer, or that hit of meth talking. But I think you should go with your heart. You really think so? He asked softly. Dude, I am in that trailer right now, covered in piss and possibly vomit, sweating my way through the greatest trip anyone has ever had. Fucked if I know what you should or should not do. Hell, I knew three or four of the people, and I didn't do shit to help them. I don't even know you. 
He looked at me plainly confused, but shrugged his shoulders and set his feet in a firing stance. Blobber, this might tickle. He means to shoot you with the metal thing in his hand. Blobber just kept slithering forward, though the lavender seemed focused on Officer Hernandez who looked at me and said, Tell my wife I loved her. I seriously doubt I will do that. He sighed and sighted down the barrel. I didn't understand that. Blobbert was the size of a trailer at this point. I think a missed shot would say a lot more about the officer's ability than proper stance and sighting, but who the fuck am I? The shot surprised me, so loud and too close for my liking. I watched through my flinch as time dilated and I could see the air displaced and the bark of flame from the barrel as the bullet came sliding out. It spun clockwise and the smoke was pulled along with it leaving a chemtrail through the night. I don't know what I expected. Maybe it would enter the mass of goo and I could see it even more clearly as it lost momentum before being spat out onto the street. I didn't expect Blobber to burst. The bullet seemed to slide syrupy across the distance between us and Blobber, and as it pierced the outer layer of jizz and broke the surface tension, Blobber exploded all over the street and trailers with a wet slap. I'll be goddamned, I muttered, the disappointment clearing my tone. I did it. I'm a fucking hero. Officer Hernandez shouted. I just felt a profound sadness at the loss of a friend. I turned to Officer Hernandez with a heavy heart. You're no hero. Just a fucked up allusion to my checkered past or something. A figment of childhood trauma. And you have some blobbered on your face. Asshole. He looked at me angrily. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about, sir. But you're coming into the precinct. Near as I can tell... You allowed four murders and stood around doing illicit drugs as they happened. You are just as guilty as the blob. Its name was Blobbert, you fucking pig! I shouted at him. The splash of Blobbert on his face twitched. I stared at it, willing my friend to be okay. My eyes grew wide as I saw it twitch again and a little flash of purple glowed on Hernandez's face. Then the goo drained into the corner of his eye. One second it was there, the next it seemed to be absorbed. Interesting. I thought about those little fish in the Amazon that swim up streams of urine and make their home in some hapless idiot's urethra. I leaned forward and Officer Hernandez glared at me. That's when I saw something sliding just beneath his skin. I smiled. Have you ever read about those fish that climb into dicks? The next thing I knew, I was on the ground and my head was throbbing. Hernandez rolled me onto my stomach and I had my hands cuffed behind my back before I could spell pig. He reeked of fear and sour sweat as he leaned down and whispered into my ear. You are going to fry for this, you piece of shit junkie. I painfully rolled onto my side and spat blood onto his polished black shoes. He reared back and kicked me in the stomach, and the last beer came gurgling back out of my throat. It got on his shoes too, cocksucker. Not so fucking smug now, are you? He sneered. The fish swim up the urine stream and into the urethra where it makes its new home. 
It's supposed to be excruciatingly painful, I wheezed. He crouched down to look into my eyes. You think I give two tugs of a dead rat's cock about fish in the Amazon? Or anything else a low-life piece of chit has to say? I smiled. Not really. I just wanted to see what Blobbert was going to do. Hope you didn't piss it off, seeing as how you have some alien super spunk roaming around in your skull. For a moment, Hernandez looked ready to punch me. Then I saw a muted flash beneath his cheek. Hernandez let out a scream like a wounded animal, and his joints all seemed to pop, and his limbs became pinned at odd angles. I felt something slither down my forearm, but with them clenched behind my back, I couldn't tell what it was. Probably blood. I spat on Hernandez as he lay vibrating in a St. Vitus dance. A strange mule in wine seemed caught in the back of his throat. Then the cuffs snapped open and my arms were suddenly free. I rubbed at my wrist to restore feeling in my tingling hands and saw blobbert residue on my skin. I panicked for a moment as I waited for my skin to melt, but the goo just oozed off of me. I looked around in relief and saw all of the dripping pools were reforming. I pushed myself up and pulled out my smokes. They better not be broken, asshole, I said to the twitching broken officer before tapping one out. Bent but serviceable. I lit it and felt the smoke rush through my lungs, the cherry on the cigarette leaving tracers in the air. Still tripping. Good. Still not real. Thank you, Blobbert. We are officially friends. That's when shit got gross. Hernandez's skin began to really start moving. Have you ever seen them put hot dough in a fryer at the fair? It goes in flat and lifeless, and within seconds it puffs and browns. Or when they make pork rinds? That's what his flesh began doing, swelling with large, quivering pustules. Poor Officer Hernandez was not seeming to enjoy himself. His face distorted, and he looked like that redhead in the movie with Cher, the one with the lumpy head. What the fuck was that called? Mask? Eric Stoltz, real tearjerker with that hot blind chick. Sis seemed to undulate in various states of being all over his exposed flesh, and judging by the way his clothes stretched, it must have been a full body reaction. Imagine your blood is Pepsi and someone injected your arm with pure Colombian pop rocks. An orgy of chaos that erupted in time to the silent symphony of lavender. Blobbert was conductor and musician, and Hernandez was the instrument of sublime torment. I didn't want to keep watching, but I could not look away. It was like when Melvin got out of the barrel of toxic waste, the pink tutu grafted to his mangled flesh as he hid in the junkyard and became the toxic avenger. I threw up for the third time as Blobbert expelled itself from the swollen pores along Officer Hernandez's writhing form. It was like 10,000 pimples popping at one time. That viscous blue spunk oozed in long strands like Play-Doh being pressed through a nozzle. It was a feat of reverse bukkake on an entire body quaking scale. The skin burst and the last of the alien load drizzled back along the street. And putrefied innards, a smoothie of grotesquerie spilled from the ruined husk. I looked at Blobbert. The flashes of lilac seemed nearly mischievous, and I smiled. That was fucking gross. There are a lot more of those guys coming. 
probably with bigger weapons. I looked around at all the people standing in front of their homes, staring in horror at my friend. What in the fuck is that? I heard from behind me, and I swear I heard the shouts of a thousand ruined burgers carried by that voice. I turned slowly to see the nemesis to the art of grilling himself, Chris, standing behind the police car. Come around the car, I beckoned. I didn't have to look to know Blobbert was doing its thing. I could see as Chris's jaw went slack and began to shuffle around the cruiser. I pointed and he looked down at the fetid remains of Officer Hernandez and began to gag. That is the equivalent of the last cookout you threw in human form. You're a goddamn disgrace to grilling. Chris argued through gags. Well done is perfectly acceptable. I laughed. You served the goddamn briquette instead of the meat! <laughs> Four cruisers and an armored-looking something, an armadillo with fiery red eyes, maybe, came screaming into the park. Chris was walking towards Blobbert, and I had the sneaking suspicion this was about to get ugly. Blobbert began to grow agitated again. The flashing lights reflecting off the trailer windows made it swell up again. A tentacle whipped forward and grabbed Chris by the legs. A second speared him through the skull, with the pop of a cantaloupe dropping off a balcony. As Blobbert spun Chris's dead body a few times before hurling it into the first cruiser. You wouldn't expect 250 pounds to make a car shudder like it did. The windshield shattered and the impact snapped Chris back and nearly in two as his legs broke the light array. The cops poured out of the armadillo in black gear that screamed dangerous with bigger weapons that made me a little nervous. They aimed at Blobbert but seemed to ignore the fact that I was standing between them. I raised my hand slowly. Um, hi. I'm Ursa, and I am directly in the line of fire. The big glop of blue tinted death behind me is Blobbert. I turned slowly towards Blobbert. Don't be shy. Say hello to the nice men with implements of murder. I swear, Blobbert waved a tentacle. Then the world exploded around me. They unloaded round after round that did exactly what I suspected earlier before the space blues decided to be clever. He has to be my ID. There is no way my ego could be that clever. It went on like the crescendo to a 4th of July celebration as I ducked behind a squad car and covered my ears with my hands. Then it was quiet. I heard the cops reloading their weapons and the sound of metal hitting the asphalt as Blobbert spat out the bullets. It's actually really sweet. It doesn't like mean people or ones that run perfectly good hamburgers. But other than that, it's pretty cool. His name is Blobbert. I called out to the cops, and then I heard a strange concussion of air. A smoke trail raced towards Blobbert and bounced off and began rolling towards me. I looked inquisitively at the odd-shaped ordinance as it wobbled closer. My eyes grew wide as I realized exactly what it was, and I scrambled up and over the hood of the cruiser, right as the grenade went off. I felt gravel and dirt tear through my legs, but I couldn't see the damage through the smoke that drifted from the crater. I realized I couldn't really feel my legs besides the lacerating waves of agony that swept through me. I felt cold and realized I had partially exploded. 
The smoke cleared and I saw a blobber flashing at me as dark circles overtook my vision. Tentacles wrapped around me and I knew that this was the end of the form of my consciousness. Blobbert would consume me and maybe I would finally wake up in my trailer with some cheesy B-movie from the 50s playing loudly in the background. The tentacles lifted me gently in the air and I felt myself slide through the outer membrane. It tingled in a not unpleasant way and soon I was floating painlessly in an ever-growing blob. I took a tentative breath of the goo and was shocked to find I could breathe it in like amniotic fluid almost. I wondered if that would speed up the process, allow Blobbert to consume from the inside out as well. The purple flashed through my paper-thin skin as I watched, waiting for it to grow translucent, but it didn't. Tendrils began to blossom from my ruined legs. Bone grew like one of those frozen fingers of ice that slowly tickled its way to the bottom of the ocean. My femur stretched out, then my kneecap and the two that make up the lower leg, I could never remember which was which, tibia and fibula, my ankle, and then the little bones that made up my feet. I hung, a half-formed fetus in a wound of dancing lights. Veins and arteries snaked like vines as muscle and then flesh formed. My clothes melted as Blobbert knitted my flesh back together from the various injuries that had seemed minor in comparison to getting my lower half obliterated. I felt better than ever as the drugs filled my mind and joy radiated against my flesh. I wondered if when absorbing things, Blobbert gained an understanding of them as they melted into its central mass. Did it have a vast accumulated knowledge of beings we could never dream of? The lights that swirled around me suggested so. I just couldn't decode the message. Then I saw that Blobbert had given me an upgrade. One magnum-sized dong flopping happily between my freshly grown legs. Things were looking up. I curled up tightly and Blobbert decided to fight back. I couldn't fathom how I was floating safely within the tentacles that skewered and dissolved two cops. Blobbert moved, but I could only tell by the wreckage accumulating outside. The more he consumed, the larger he grew and the safer I felt as my eyes grew accustomed to the watery view. One of the cops in riot gear panicked and began to run. Blobbert sent a spike that tore straight through the poor bastard's ass with enough force that his stomach and now inside-out esophagus wrapped around it. I saw trailers knocked over and wondered how long I had spent nearly catatonic. The armadillo was flipped upside down and besides the lights flashing in the distance, that seemed to be the last of the police. Blobbert slowly oozed down the road, out of the trailer park, and paused as if uncertain. I pointed towards downtown because why the hell not? There I sat, reclined in cubic gallons of space semen, watching the end of the world play out like I was in a movie shot from the creature's point of view. The membrane of my screen to a landscape of destruction that I had a feeling was going to be magnificent. Until the drugs wear off, that is.
I hope you enjoyed Blobbert, as written by author M. Ennenbach and is performed by Drew Blood, Jeff Sturdivant, and Olivia Steele. M. Ennenbach is a poet and author from Texas. His collection of short stories, Dream Whispers, is available now, and his first novel from UDH Cuckoo will be out in September. You can hear more of Drew Blood on his very own podcast, Drew Blood's Dark Tales, airing each and every Friday night on both YouTube and podcast format, where author Jeff Sturdivant also makes an audio appearance from time to time. And on that note, be sure to check out the other shows we offer on our network. We have scary stories told in the dark with Otis Jiry, airing Sundays, Fear from the Heartland, featuring horror stories brought to you from the Heartland, airing Wednesdays. Eric Peabody's Horror Hill, a podcast dedicated to some of our deeper and darker tales. We hope you check him out. Now, our weekly descent into the depths has just about come to a close. But before we go, I'd like to take a moment to thank you for joining us for tonight and remind you to take a moment to stop by our iTunes page and leave Chilling Tales for Dark Nights a five-star review and a kind word. And follow us, please, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram if you haven't already. And of course, subscribe to us on YouTube, where you can find an archive of our work going back to 2012. And consider signing up as a patron at our website, ChillingTalesForDarkNights.com, to show your support and get all of our content ad-free. I'm your host of the evening, Steve Taylor, and it's been a pleasure. Tune in again next week when we once again turn off the lights and turn on the dark. Sweet dreams, listener. Sweet dreams. <laughs> Chilling Tales for Dark Nights. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs, or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.